Hi, I'm Britton LaRue, and this is Moon to Moon. Moon to Moon is a space to consider, celebrate, and share the ways we come home to ourselves, anchor through change, and uncover our power. One month, one phase, one loving step at a time. Hi everyone, it's Monday, the moon's day, June 7th, as I record this. It's a rainy, stormy day here in Dallas where I live, which is just the best. And so I have the window cracked open in the hopes that you may hear or at least feel the energy. It's very like enfolding, which feels like a gift. So I'm excited to share this episode with you because it has a conversation with someone that I've admired a really long time and someone who has been on my podcast guest wish list from the beginning of Moon to Moon and it feels like a special treat yet again for this podcast and for me the caregiver of this podcast so I'll talk about that more in a second I do want to touch base with you about a few things especially the um, the fact that we're between eclipses here still and Mercury's retrograde we're approaching the second of three Saturn Uranus squares for 2021 which is a keynote astrology And it's a lot. Last week, too, we had Mars and Pluto in opposition, which is a lot of intensity. And yesterday, Sundays, is the day that I meet with my three-month workshop circle for emerging readers called the Magician's Table. You may have heard me talk about it before. And a lot of people were sharing about what a rough week it was for them where it's kind of like hard to see good. It's hard to see what you're doing well. It's hard to see the gifts you have. And, you know, I've shared here and I've shared in the webinar I did with Jonathan Coe on eclipses recently that part of the reason I think eclipses can be quote-unquote hard is because they have a way of revealing what we haven't been seeing. And we had reason for not seeing a lot of these things. You know, it helped us to be with what was present for us before in our past selves, even the past self that was walking around a few weeks ago, right? And it's uncomfortable because once you start to notice certain things, You can't unsee what you now see. And that means you begin to feel like you need to make some changes. 
And as I say all the time here, to our sweet egos, change is not comfortable because we're, we're coded to operate on the scripts that we've always been running on. And so change, especially empowering change, can feel really hard because it's like the unknown, you know? And the ego wants to protect us from that. So I feel like there's just always so much caretaking in this time where like the higher self, the the deep wise self, like the ancient version of you is tending to the sweet human that lives in this time space (laughs) realm, um, helping you through that fear and that anxiety and that grief that um, things are shifting, you know, that things are shifting. And, you know, I, I know that more than one person I know, including myself here, is working through some grief around um, grief for the younger self. And again, the younger self can be like you yesterday. (laughs) Grief for the younger self that you didn't value yourself fully, that you didn't trust that it was safe to take up more space. that you didn't ask for all the things you really wanted because you didn't trust that it was possible that those could come to you, whether because maybe you don't think you deserve it or didn't think you deserve it, or because you were conditioned to believe that that kind of receiving is not possible in this world. And like, that's, that, that is worth feeling down about you know I can see how that's a bummer uh yeah I've been feeling it this rain that we've been having lately has felt just sort of like um a symphony for my sadness you know just like laying there feeling sad um and uh I just want to name that you're not alone if that's how you've been feeling because you're not. It's very fair to grieve uh, some losses for the former self that you maybe now recognize in clear ways that you didn't see before as much. And what I'm reminded of is that and I'm thinking of this because I just pulled the death card, that death is an artist. You know, I say that a lot because I had a special moment of knowing with this card a few years ago where I was in deeper change than I'm even in now. With the Thoth version of death, if you're familiar with the Thoth deck, the death card is really fantastic um and you can google that it's this very like um 
flexible, uh, agile looking figure of death wielding a scythe and everything's like moving and it's a, there's like this vortex and everything's shifting around. And I looked at it and I thought, death is an artist. And so I'm reminded that as I'm grieving, and you may feel this too, that as you're kind of like letting things slip away, many of which are like, no, I don't want you to slip away, right? Just like, ugh, I don't want to let this go. Ugh. Um, for me over here, as you know, if you've been listening, I'm, I'm moving through post-breakup. It's now just over a month. Um, I just go through ups and downs of like insisting it can't be possible with just like chin up death as an artist. <laughs> like we're going to create something new from the ashes, you know. Um, and I just wa- I will just kind of flow back and forth through the different feelings. I feel so in my feelings right now. And eclipses can be very emotional times. Or even people like me, Moon and Capricorn, I'm normally pretty good at like trudging through the feels, like not allowing myself to totally go there so I can just function and do the things I've got to endure through. Um, I just feel often just like I'm in this like ride. It's like I'm on a ride and I don't, I can't predict like my mood and that's a very moon thing, you know, mood feelings is moon is the emotional body and um because I've known so many times in my life where I shoved shoved grief away or numbed grief away more precisely I'm you know doing a lot of laying and crying sometimes because I just want it to move through me And so I'm sharing that in case that's helpful to you Um, and to reflect back to you that you're not alone if you resonate with any of that. So, you know, things die, things, things begin. My magician's table circle ends in a few weeks and we're all feeling already like pangs of fear and grief um, to say goodbye and we're making people are making plans to have their own community post class um to keep connecting um i love you all if you're listening and i'm also promoting and supporting and putting like lots of my love energy behind soft strength which is my annual class on moon stuff. Um, Moon stuff is like a massive umbrella, so it covers all kinds of things. And, um, you know, that it's, it's, I'm very aware of that kind of like threshold um, between letting something go and then like, you know, cheering something on that's ready to come forward. Um, And, as you also may know, if you listen, I'm selling my house and buying another house. And so there's a lot of that going on. And um, I feel very much in like that threshold space between um, death and life. Which, you know what, is actually a really fertile zone. 
So as much as I've been feeling a lot of uncomfortable feelings, I also feel really tapped in. And uh, I'm thankful for that. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm loving that. And um, I'm hoping that for you too, that you can bring into your awareness the ways in which um, you might feel more co-creative with processes that are, are releasing with those that want to come in for you, you know? So, yeah, this past weekend was my early bird. And so we've begun because people have been signing up. And then today I opened regular registration and shared co- a special discount code to Soft Strength alums. And already since this morning, a quarter of the people who signed up last year are already re-enrolled, which is, I think, a beautiful testament to the power of the class. And I'm co-leading it this year. Um, I Part of softness for me is allowing myself to trust that I don't have to do everything and it is with great uh, gratitude and relief and so much joy that I've invited my um, my dear friend Jonathan Coe who's done soft strength as a student twice now to help me as a co-leader um, and that will allow my leadership to feel soft because I know that I'm supported right and we created our welcome video yesterday and that just got me super pumped um, because all the lessons are already made. So it was nice to like make something, you know, f- new for the group. And <clears throat> we talked about the power of compassion and self-compassion for the class and just how helpful um, loads and loads and loads of compassion will be for everyone in order to stay soft stay soft being a mantra that i created a couple years ago the first time i led the class and then we we talked a lot about something um that we can call personal gnosis g-n-o-s-i-s gnosis being like your own wisdom it's a it's a it goes under the umbrella of intuition Personal gnosis is like when you feel in receipt of some kind of wisdom, whether you imagine it comes from your deeper self, your ancient self, whether you feel like it comes from your guides or from spirit. Somehow you're like sensing wisdom and it's a knowing. That's gnosis. And a huge part of soft strength is um, encouraging trust in personal gnosis and trust in intuition, trust in your inner voice. So we talked about that quite a bit in the welcome video with tips and tools for growing that trust. And then we also just talked about like community guidelines within the virtual space, community guidelines within the live meetup space, um, how to be a participant in the course um, and the many, many ways that that can be because some people don't care for the community aspect and they really just want the lessons and that's fine. And so it was great. It's always great to be with Jonathan anyway. And it was great to create this message for those people who are ready with their yes. I encourage you, if you're listening, 
especially if you love this podcast and you're a regular with this podcast, I encourage you to feel into this idea that Moon to Moon as a podcast um, is like, like this is Moon to Moon the class, you know? And there's a difference between taking a class and listening to a podcast, you know? When you, and that is because the, the class is a container, it's a cauldron, and it is inside of the container that magic happens, that alchemy happens, right? It is in containers that we have transformation. And so I encourage you to really think about this for yourself, because if you're empowered by this podcast, then this is the podcast class. And it's once a year, cancer season every year, unless I just decided I don't feel it anymore, but I nowhere near that. This is like moon to moon, the class and your fee, like the, the tuition is the spell where you indicate to the universe and you indicate to your unconscious that you are ready for personal alchemy moon to moon, you know? That's what it means when you commit. When you commit with the exchange, you say, I'm really ready now, you know? And that is very powerful. Just in the exchange, everything begins. The personal alchemy begins. And then it's your material. Whether you can dedicate 10 hours a week to it, which I don't see that happening, but maybe if you want to be in the Slack space all the time, our virtual space, or whether you can only give 30 minutes a week and you're just going to have to be catching up on the lessons for the rest of the year, it doesn't really matter because you've begun the process of letting it in and letting yourself be changed in ways that will be more soft and spacious and nurturing and helpful to you. So if you're feeling a yes, registration closes this, um, this Sunday the 13th at night. Um, it'll just shut off that Monday morning um, because we meet Monday on June 14th for our first like opening call. All those calls are recorded. The calls are for Q&A. So if you can't make them, you just uh, everything, all the questions have to be submitted in advance anyway. And so if you can't make it, you'll be able to hear us discuss your question as if you are in the space with us. So please don't let not being able to make the calls affect your choice because the, the live space won't be as much for bonding as the Slack space will be. The live calls will be about Q&A with the material. So um, I welcome you, I welcome you, I welcome you, and hope to see you next week. So now I'm going to move on to thinking about the interview, interview, witnessing one another, that I have with Erin Johnson then of the Living Open podcast. I began listening to Living Open, I think like 2018. It's a wonderful, wonderful podcast. I connected to the podcast. I don't remember how I found it. Like maybe someone I was following was interviewed on it and that's how I'm not really sure 
But what I've really connected to was Erin's ability to speak to her podcast listeners like real friends in, in like this kind of really intimate feeling space. And um, she was inviting people on and talking about things that I very, very much craved more mastery in or that I very much craved to learn that I really wanted to feel more confident in. And so I just listened to every episode, definitely like 2018, 2019, because it was like catching me up to speed with all these different people on topics that I really wanted to learn about. I'll read Erin's bio. Erin, she, her, is a space holder, facilitator, creative, poet, witch, queer femme, survivor. Erin is a Libra sun and an Aries moon and Virgo rising. Uh, She offers support specifically in religious trauma with connecting with your creative magic and with feeling your heart. Erin has a Patreon space that I've been a member of for, gosh, maybe two years. I was so into her podcast that I, I felt called to join in exchange with her because I just felt myself to be getting so much um, in receipt. She has a lot of uh, free gifts at her website, which is living-open.com. She has paid offerings, classes, membership groups, and she's got a online workbook to help folks um, who are recovering from religious trauma. And then she's the podcast host of Living Open. She says on her website, Living Open is about feeling your feelings, getting into your body, and opening your heart so you can embody more of yourself which is so beautiful. So I was, I had the great honor and pleasure of being on Living Open and it came out last Monday, the 31st of May. So if you haven't had a chance to listen, you can hear Aaron interviewing me. Um, and I talk about living the signs and moon to moon as frameworks. I talk a lot about the Hierophant because uh, that's my life card meaning that my birthday digits add up to 32 and then that breaks down to five and five is the Hierophant and the major arcana of the tarot. So in that way, I'm living the Hierophant like journey in this life, which makes so much sense because the Hierophant is very much about being a teacher and a speaker have to people who listen and like student teacher archetype. Um, I have a, like this academic background, like where I worked with institutional like anointing of my ability to teach. And now I operate more in like a free zone, you might say, where I create my own spaces to teach, which has ultimately been the, the empowering thing I needed to change my life. So I talk about all that on the May 31st um, episode of Living Open with Erin. Please go listen. And now I get to share my chance to interview Erin. And we talk about all kinds of things. Um, I began the way she always begins her episodes, 
which is to um, ask her just to tell her story. So she tells her story about starting living open as someone in her early 20s. And she talks about um, how healing from religious trauma in childhood and adolescence left her kind of hopeless and feeling alone and how finding witchcraft and magic, um, finding the moon helped her to begin doing repair work and enjoy living in her body and living here again. Um, she talks about how she started the podcast um, because she was lonely and wanted to be having the cool conversations that she was enjoying on the podcast that she listens to, which is, I think, a really great reason to start a podcast. We were looking at her chart throughout the episode, and I talked to her about having Uranus-Neptune conjunction in Capricorn um, in her chart, which is something that people in the early 90s have. And I have a lot of people in my community who have this particular invitation in their charts, including Jonathan Coe, um, who I work with so often. And we talked about how the placement is square, her full moon, sun and moon. Um, and so how important that that placement is in her chart, falling as it does in the fifth house of creativity, um, because she's a Virgo rising that puts Capricorn in her fifth house uh, with the whole sign system. And so that was a really interesting conversation, um, especially for anyone tuning in who's born with Uranus-Neptune uh, in Capricorn. We talked about her Scorpio stellium in the third house, um, how she has Venus retrograde in Scorpio there, along with her north node, um, and I think Jupiter, now I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but um, that was, that's a part of her chart she feels really comfortable with, and we talked about what that means for her. Um, we talked about loving um, her moon in Aries after she, she said she used to really resent it. <laughs> and we had this great talk about loving your moon and just like loving all of your chart and living all of your chart. And of course, those are things that I really value and care a lot about. So I enjoyed that part of the conversation immensely. And um, yeah, we talked about so many good things and we had so many good laughs and it was just an honor the time just flowed and all of a sudden it was like oh my gosh it's time to close so it's just one of those awesome conversations and I hope that you feel that and that you learn from it and love it um, and I will share that with you now enjoy Thank you, Erin, for joining me on Moon to Moon. Thank you so much for having me. So happy to be here. 
<laughs> this is a real honor for me. I have been listening to your podcast for years now, and I know your voice so well. Um, <laughs> your voice is a such a comfort for me and for so many people. Um, thank you for the work that you do. Thank you. That's so sweet to hear. I, I really appreciate that. I would really love to begin the way you usually begin on your podcast. And just, I'm very curious that you, you share, you're very open about sharing your story on the podcast, but I would love to hear you here in this moment today, how you uh, would describe your journey or your story. Um, I'm particularly interested in how you came to decide to start a podcast and how you came to call it living open, which is such a wonderful mm-hmm. name. And um, just kind of like what, what were sort of the personal steps that um, allowed that path to reveal itself to you? Yeah. So the name of the podcast really just came to me (laughs) Um, like most of the names of the things that I do and most of the ideas for things that I like really love and that end up being really great and long-term and sustainable they just kind of like come to me and I find I can't really force those things it just has to be that way Um, but nothing felt more true you know than when that name came to me because that's the point I was at in my life and I'm still there. You know, I haven't changed the name because so much has changed, but the name still fits and is still something I really care about orienting towards. Um, But I started the podcast when I was really lonely. Honestly, I was lonely and I was really confused about what I wanted to do with my life and where I wanted to live. And I didn't, I felt alone on this kind of spiritual exploration. There weren't people in my physical life who were interested in the same things or who were going on this journey with me. And I started listening to a lot of podcasts. And I remember that summer I was waiting tables and I would drive to the beach every day to wait tables. And it was like a 45 minute drive. And I would just listen to podcasts all the way there and all the way back. And I just felt so fed by hearing those stories and those conversations. And I wanted to be having them and I wasn't. So I just thought, hmm maybe I'll make a podcast and then I can have some of those conversations (laughs) that I'm not having in my life right now, but I want to be. And then it just became a fun, creative project. And I loved having the conversations and it just kept growing and evolving with me. You know, it's so different than when I first started it. Thank God. I mean, I think every podcaster is so embarrassed by their first (laughs) episodes, but I am so embarrassed by them, but (laughs) I keep them up. They're still there. People can listen if they want to. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the podcast and just the name of it and the idea of it is all about openness and being support for our own evolution and healing in whatever form that takes and whatever direction that takes. And so, of course, the project itself has also evolved and changed because it's so much a reflection of me. And I am so different (laughs) than five years ago. So that's kind of with the podcast. And yeah, I mentioned like around that time, I was really exploring, starting to explore spirituality more and witchcraft. And that marked a real 
um, return for me to a spiritual practice because you probably know a lot of my story is growing up in religion and leaving that religion and then kind of having this like void space around that and around spirituality, which I think is so fine for some people. But for me, I felt it <laughs> like I felt that void and I started to feel like there was something that I was missing. And so finding practices like yoga and meditation when I was in college were really powerful for me and were the way that I like started to step my toes into the world of spirituality and to try and figure out for myself what I really believed and what I really thought and what I really valued because once I said no to Christianity, there wasn't a yes yet, you know, like, what am I saying yes to? Um, And I'm still figuring out what I'm saying yes to. And it's still changing all the time. Because, you know, one of the things that has been important for me and healing from dogmatic religion is giving myself space to, yeah, be fluid with what I think and believe and to not know and not have answers and to honor that there are no right answers, which I very deeply believe when it comes to spirituality and witchcraft. Um, But yeah, my story from there is kind of like one thing leading to another, that world of yoga and meditation brought me to tarot, it brought me to Reiki, to breathwork, to all kinds of different practices that helped me realize how much I needed them, (laughs) helped me realize how much I needed to heal, Um, helped me connect a lot of dots and make a lot more sense. And I'm still so much in it, but you know, something I shared with one of my friends this year was I feel like I'm finally really living all of the healing work that I've done. I feel like this moment in time for me is about embodying that healing and it's not really that I need to do more breath work but it's that I just need to tell the truth and have needed to burn my life down a little bit and have needed to like make these big decisions and all of that healing work bringing me to that place and supporting me through it feels feels really good and I'm so glad that I have these tools and practices and Also, it's time for me to really, really embody them in a big way. So kind of uh, all over the place, but that's the moment that we're at right now. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So there's so many things that you just said that I want to to riff off of. Yeah. So I'm wondering then, would you say that this idea of openness came from the sense that you had maybe grown up with with doors or blocks or um feeling like you were somehow trapped or cornered and not free to be open for sure i felt so much uh closedness (laughs) if that's a word closedness in my life through religion and in unpacking the nose around that and was not really right for me and what I didn't actually believe and care about. Um, I just found myself wanting so badly to feel more free and to feel like there was openness and to feel like there was possibility and to feel a connection to magic. And I think so much of experiencing magic is about openness, being open to be changed, to be moved, to be present, to be brought off the path you think you need to be on and yeah, I think all of that is about openness. Yes. I'm, I'm wondering then, like, how, what role did 
like those early practices, like say in witchcraft or with your, with magic, with maybe working with the lunar cycle, did, um, did you first find that kind of gave you some structure to support what maybe felt like a, a fallout when you, when you walked away from another set, another kind of structure? And then, mm-hmm. and then have you kind of like, have you felt that you've then figured out how to create openness within that, that structure? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Um, for me, it wasn't so much like those practices and that structure held me through the fallout from religion because there was so much time between them. Like yeah. I stopped thinking that I was a Christian when I was I don't know, probably like 15 years old. I was in high school and there were years that went by before I even thought about witchcraft or was acquainted with it in any way. So it wasn't so much that, but it was like those practices facilitating a return to myself and not even a return, but a beginning of a non-dogmatic, really like empowered spiritual practice. And yeah, definitely. When I first learned about working with the moon and all these different things that you can do, I felt way more structured with it and way more pressure on myself to like, you know, do things the right way or the way that they need to be done or whatever. And now I'm just like, that's so cute that I did that (laughs) because I just am so much more loose and fluid now. And I'm just so, um, I just think of it as like these practices like working with the moon especially like it's here to support my life but it's not my life um like I love working with the moon and the moon is such like a guiding energy for me and a muse and an inspiration but it's supposed to be that practice is supposed to be supporting me in accessing more pleasure and more joy and more experiencing of my life like it's not about doing moon ritual I think but it's about like how these practices help us actually live and yeah so I think for me right now I'm so much more letting the moon move through me rather than even doing anything conscious or intentional with it but I'm always understanding what the moon's doing and honoring how I'm experiencing it and usually I'm just like making a lot of art with some moon phases and letting my creative practice flow a lot with them that's kind of where I'm at right now but I also hate rules of all kinds (laughs) which I think is a, a big holdover from religion or a big like yeah as a rejection of religion I really can't stand any like witchcraft type rules or anything so I was just thinking about this with the eclipse yesterday and people are like don't make magic with the eclipse which I think is like totally fine if you don't want to that's great you definitely don't have to but also I'm just gonna do whatever feels right for me and sometimes it's yes sometimes it's no but I don't yeah that's part of my healing too is I don't put those rules on myself yes I hear that. I just did a webinar on eclipses and like Mm. with some hot takes about this, this idea that there's do's and don'ts with eclipses. So do do research on yourself and figure out, you know, Mm. what you like and what you don't like and what feels good and what doesn't feel good and roll with your own intuitive way of doing things. Mm. But I totally empathize with when one is in the beginning of these types of things, feeling like you want like something to hold you or you want some rules just to make sure that <laughs> you are messing it up. Um, 
And that's the healing is in realizing that you can't mess it up, you know? Yeah. I think it's kind of like you have to learn the rules so you can break them (laughs) or so you can like toss out the ones you don't want and keep what works for you. But it's helpful to know everything so that you can decide what works. Exactly. I'm, I'm loving how in your chart, you have this full moon between your Libra sun and your Aries moon. And Mm -hmm. that it creates this really dynamic T-square then to your fifth house of creativity. I use the whole sun, so I don't know if this looks different for you. It does look different. I'm like intrigued by it. I've I've maybe only seen my chart with whole signs once um, because I don't use them. I use the Placidus. (laughs) Do you mind if I just roll with it this way? No, it's great. No, I I love it. Yeah. Oh, and I have to admit that the town where you were born did not show up in the system. So I looked oh, really? just because it was close and I'm out. <laughs> Charles <laughs> County, Maryland is right. That's the right uh, county. And Chart, were you born with Chiron at this, like, is this your ascendant? Um, yeah, Virgo that? rising and Chiron is, yeah, those are all right. Those are the degrees, okay. too, 19 and 20. Okay. Mm-hmm. As long as the, especially the ascendant degree is what, what we want to make sure is what lined up Okay. That's right. Yep. Um, but whatever house system it would be, there would still be this dynamic T square to um, Neptune Uranus conjunction in your fifth house, maybe not in the fifth house, but here in the fifth house in Capricorn. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever, um, have you ever heard of Carolyn Casey's visionary activist astrology audiobook? Mm-hmm. No, I should say. sounds cool though. It's my favorite astrological text and it's only available on audio which is wonderful because Caroline Casey has the best voice and she's mm-hmm. an incredible storyteller and it's called visionary activist astrology and she wrote it in the same time period as when Uranus and Neptune were traveling together in the early 90s mm-hmm. cool and her idea then is like um that it was a period where we had this opportunity to vision the Neptune like the visionary stepping forward with the activist part of us to like come up with a new future, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like I actually have a lot of um, students and clients who um, have this time period of birth and many who are also Virgo rising. And I love you. (laughs) Virgo risings that have Uranus Neptune together and Capricorn in the fifth. And it's like, um, I'm wondering probably this last year then this overall life assignment where the your connection to your solar self and your lunar self are like moving through this um this desire to vision and bring forward a kind of like futurist um like almost like a revolution through through creative practices and through like um just connecting to your own inner creative mm-hmm. and that last year then 2020 this this zone of Capricorn was highly activated you know with um the Saturn Pluto conjunction the the Jupiter Pluto conjunctions were all right there at that point where you have Neptune and Uranus and so I imagine the last couple of years you've been learning a lot about how to channel that part of your natal chart even even more clearly. Does that resonate for you at all? 
Yeah, that's so interesting that you bring that up. I mean, I've never connected this to those placements or anything, but yeah, over the past couple of years, I returned to writing poetry, something I used to do when I was a kid and through middle school and high school, but I like fell away from for a while and I returned Mm -hmm. to writing poetry and that has changed my life. I mean, that's like my creative practice now and I mean, there are many things that I do, but poetry just has always had my heart. And um, it's interesting too, how I think of Uranus as like this waking up type of energy and reading some of the poems that I wrote last year, (laughs) this year from this perspective of like where I am now and some like big decisions that I've made in the past couple of months it was all laid out in the poetry I was writing, like everything I was going to do and everything I needed to do and everything I was feeling I had written in poems last year, but not consciously. Like I wasn't consciously like this is going to happen next year and I'm going to have to do this next year. It was like, but I told the end of that part of the story in my poems and reading them now, I'm like, holy shit. my subconscious was really on it um Mm -hmm. so yeah that's what I thought of when you're sharing that that creative yeah that creative and and you just recently I remember you had um you have like a membership group right for creative Mm -hmm. um helping people with their creativity yeah didn't even think of that yeah I do a lot of work with people around creative support supporting their creative energy and their creative projects yes I remember you talking about um, the importance of holding yourself through the fears of rejection as mm. an important big one. step in um, accessing your creativity. And really such a that. big one. Yeah. I mean, it's so scary. It's so scary to be making something and putting it out there. And it's like so close to your heart and knowing like, somebody's not going to like it. Somebody's going to think it sucks. Like it's horrible, you know? And what is that? What do we make that mean about us and about our creativity and about our work and all those things? It's yeah. Something that I have worked through so much and I'm still working through literally every time I share something. So yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you learned a lot in the group then between teaching and then receiving from your, the people who signed up? Oh, yeah. I feel like I know you do a lot of programs, too. So you probably have a similar experience of like the stuff that you're facilitating comes up in such a big way as you're facilitating it. And you learn so much and grow so much, too, while you're doing it, which is so beautiful. And yeah, I mean, I really think of myself that way as a facilitator, not as a teacher. Um, And I learn so much from all the people that I work with. And especially in this creative group, their ideas and the things that they're working on and ways that they're engaging with creativity is so inspiring. Mm. Yes. I, I imagine that a lot of what you were learning last year and that you were totally channeling in your poetry um, is now it's like, now you can distribute the the gifts of what you were realizing, you know, and what you were mm. moving through is now you can spread the the wisdom that came out of it. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm writing a poetry collection and I'm hoping to publish it this year. We'll see, but <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> wow. As Uranus is approaching your south node in the ninth house of um, publishing. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. 
<laughs> it's like, I, mean, I imagine it's <laughs> sudden and unexpected and how it unfolds. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Cool. <laughs> I mean, what I noticed then opposite the, the ninth house um, is just like how vibrant your third house is. I, I don't know how it is in the Placidus chart. Is it similar that the third house looks like this? Yep. Scorpio okay. stellium. Yeah. Yes. The North node, um, Venus retrograde, Jupiter and Pluto all in Scorpio third house, like having a podcast, uh, like leading local groups, classes, long, regular online classes, like all the facilitation that you do with your voice. I just feel like you're, you're really living your chart there. <laughs> Thank you. That's a part of my chart I have thought about a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and it feels like, yeah, communicating about death and rebirth and healing and sex and darkness is right there in my chart. And like, that's what I love doing. <laughs> yes, totally. And I feel like that's such a unique assignment to be born Venus retrograde. And then your progressed Venus is still retrograde. It's like, what, what I visualize is like a kind of um, like Venus and Scorpio anyway, but Venus and Scorpio retrograde just feels like Inanna or like some kind of like underworld genus who just keeps walking deeper into like mm-hmm. scary places, you know, that like you have to, there's something that about it that you have to keep going and like figuring out a way through the dark as you go, trusting your footsteps and seeing, seeing what you learn. And that's what you're doing. (laughs) Yeah. I've never really heard too much about what it means for my Venus to be retrograde, but that feels really resonant and (laughs) keep going deeper and deeper. (laughs) That idea is like, yeah, I don't know if I'll ever stop uncovering parts of myself specifically in regards with like Venus though like that fulfillment piece and love and relationships I mean yeah this year has been so much about that too Mm, yes and you're and as a Libra sun um Libra Mercury Venus being really important in your chart Mm -hmm. um, to just I've learned so much from you when you talk about um owning pleasure and connecting to your body, dancing. I really appreciate it when you talk about that so openly because it's not always like a comfortable topic, you know? Um, Thank you. But by modeling that, I think that there's a kind of um, door that opens certainly for me and just feeling like, yeah, this this is really important. I need to prioritize, (laughs) right? Yeah. And I don't know if this is like the Scorpio third house situation or what, but talking about those things that I'm reclaiming and healing, like talking about things like dance and pleasure and sensuality and sexuality is part of the healing and reclaiming for me. The saying of like, oh, I was supposed to be so ashamed of this and I used to be so ashamed of this, but I'm not going to do that anymore. And communicating and sharing about that is like its own healing for me. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And thank you for doing it. Thank you. <laughs> I, um, I'm wondering, I, when I looked at your chart, it was like, oh my gosh, Saturn and Pisces. 
Erin <laughs> hasn't had her Saturn return yet. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> you have so much wisdom, and here you are, pre-Saturn return. <laughs> Thank you. Do you feel it coming? Do you feel it coming? I feel like I'm in it right now, honestly, this year. So I don't know what the actual Saturn return is going to bring me, but I feel like I, yeah, I feel like I died and was reborn this year, literally. So (laughs) I, I don't know what Saturn return is going to bring, but I'm interested to find out. What always for everyone happens before the Saturn return is the progressed moon comes back to the natal placement. So mm. you have the progressed lunar return and that like, you're definitely in that, um, even though it won't like be exact until the end of the year, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really lovely precursor to the Saturn return because it's like, um, I feel like it's, a lot so much about learning to take responsibility for your own parent like self-care caretaking Mm -hmm. like lunar themes you know like it's a a real point where i think ideally you're you've come into a place where you've um know how to care for yourself through a lot of your inner needs and um safety and security issues stuff that may have that have come up over your life with your inner child. And um, so I think it makes sense. And it's like a beautiful, sacred timing type thing that you go Mm -hmm. through this part first. And then like within the next couple of years, then we all have the Saturn return. Um, This is for the first one of these. And so then then you're like taking this even deeper step into Mm self-responsibility and taking care of yourself externally more. I feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, where the lunar part is more an interiority, um, like um, intimacy, like getting more intimate with the interior self. I feel like the Saturn return, it can, lots of stuff shows up and how you're interfacing with everything outside. And so ideally then you you kind of feel strong, fortified in a lunar way before the Saturn Mm way. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that resonates so much around, yeah, how I've been feeling this year. I feel like part of this year has been learning how to take responsibility for my own happiness and my own life and definitely care as part of that. Um, and I've felt so much more connected with my needs and doing what I need to do to meet those needs, even when it's scary. Um, and attachment has been a big theme of this year, like really, yeah, thinking about attachment and exploring that more too, which feels very lunar. So, yes, yes. Uh, I find myself in these themes um, very much right now. Mm. Um, how do you feel your Aries moon work through your, your life? Um, like, how do you mm. kind of describe it to yourself? I think that having this Libra sun, Aries moon opposition for a long time, I thought of it as, how do I want to say this? (laughs) I thought of it as something that's wrong with me um, or something that is bad. And 
I also, yeah, really carry this innate belief from religious trauma that I am bad, which I know is not true, but it's not so easy as saying I don't believe that consciously, right? Um, And so I think I've blamed my Aries moon or get frustrated with my Aries moon um, for, yeah, not being the way I want it to be or for having so many feelings and so many needs and needing all this freedom and also all this closeness. Um, But I'm not blaming my Aries moon anymore. I feel like it's such a sweet placement. Yeah. I'm grateful for it because I think it's something I need to learn is like how to be close and also how to be individuated. And that's like the Libra Aries (laughs) polarity there. Yeah. And I think my Aries moon is also really connected to this like deep belief in myself. Like I really do believe that I can figure things out that I can do things that I can make things work that I just have this thing within me or this fire within me that will always support me and that feels like my Aries moon um and I also feel things really quickly (laughs) I think that's quite Aries too (laughs) yeah yes so you can like caretake that with just like I know you want to move on this now but (laughs) yeah (laughs) cause that I know yes I I have uh, as an Aries rising I also have my my nodal axis in Aries Libra so um I work in that axis inside myself all the time yeah um like this um like I used to always either be one or the other like I make making unilateral decisions, doing everything I want exactly when I do it and not consulting anyone else. And then completely giving myself away and letting other people do everything they want and being not being able to assert my wants and desires. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like flip flopping Um, and finding more balance there is a process and I don't imagine I'll ever be like complete with this right but awareness and compassion around it has helped me um work with those yeah Um, the awareness and compassion are so big it's like that's not gonna you know make the dynamic go away but the point isn't to make it go away it's like it's here for us to learn and move with and yeah I think I'm thinking so much about how everything in my chart is okay and I am okay. You know, like none of it's bad, none of it's good either. It's all just like neutral and <laughs> I can be tender with the parts of it that feel really challenging and really hard. Yes. I think it's I love that um because I I want I want everyone to be in love with their chart um but even I admit that there are times where I'm just like Oh, you know, like cursing <laughs> my 12th house placements or whatever. Like, why do I have so many planets in detriment? You know, just like yeah. uh, feeling that sometimes like wanting to put the blame there, you know? Um, yeah. I have this Scorpio tattoo on my arm for this for all my Scorpio placements, but my Scorpio <laughs> North Node specifically. And I go through phases where I'm like, ah 
why did I like tattoo this on myself and commit to this really intense transformation? I hate it. I don't want to transform. I just want to be safe. Why did I do that? Yes. <laughs> why is this here? <laughs> just but, like be stable for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, hang out. What it is. <laughs> yes. I mean, our charts are are really beautiful. And I think that they point the way towards empowerment. Um, ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, they're like gateways, yeah. the placements. Um, Cause I imagine that Aries moon is a lot of what you can thank for just being a very young person who was like, I'm just going to start a podcast and (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Definitely. Yes. I'm just going to do it and we'll see what happens is like how I do mostly everything. (laughs) And that's that's a chance where you can be like, thank you, Aries moon. Like I hadn't done that. Thank you, Aries moon. (laughs) And anything I've ever done that's like kind of bold or just like really out there. I'm like, Thank you, Aries Moon. Thank you. Good job. Because <laughs> you know, with those Libra placements, there are parts of you that was like, I just don't know. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's like key phrase for my Libra placements. I just don't know. <laughs> I, I need to think about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that Aries Moon, I imagine, um, like, you have, you know, you're, you have the feeling because obviously you're so connected to your intuition. I've, um, you, you self-describe that way. I, we can feel it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you see yourself as having an eighth house moon, but that is a very common trait of eighth house moons. Um, just like you, you receive, you just receive stuff, you know, and, and you feel it. And then the Aries moon is able to be like, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> and like, yeah. go do the class, start the membership, you know, just put it out there. And um, yeah, that's, that's been a gift to you in many, many ways, I imagine. Yeah, I feel like you're describing what I said at the beginning about how the podcast name just came to me and all the ideas that are ever like meaningful just come to me. And then I'm just like, okay, like I'll do it. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'm wondering um, if you might also share. Um, I have people in my community who are thinking about starting a podcast. They um, have wonderful ideas. They have so many things to say and to share, but there's that feeling, right? If you're a rejection, mm-hmm. there's that feeling of like, who do I think I am that I could just like do that, you know, or, mm-hmm. or what if I, you know, can't do it the way I see it in my mind. I've got some Virgo risings in mind, (laughs) (laughs) but it's like, it's not good enough for me, you know? Um, And there's all the stuff. And so, you know, what would you say to anyone who they feel it? They probably could tell you right now who their first 10 interviews they would want to be like, they could probably feel the name, feel the music. Mm -hmm. They have it in their mind's eye, but there's this feeling of like, I just don't know. Mm. Yeah, I think if you feel it, then trust it. If you try and figure out every answer, like how you're going to handle any, every single situation that might happen, 
before you do it, you're never going to do it because you'll never figure it all out. And I know people say that, but it's just really true. (laughs) Um, Trust that if this idea is here for you, that it's something that you need to do. And the process will lead you where you need to go. Like if you need to work on rejection and visibility and all that stuff, like don't worry, it'll come up (laughs) and trust that you can handle it. You know, trust that you can feel what you need to feel and that you're brave and that rejection won't kill you and feeling sad won't kill you. And an afternoon of laying on the couch, feeling really small and hoping hoping no one ever listens to your podcast won't kill you been there (laughs) um but yeah you learn a lot through it and you're not going to be ready before because doing it is what makes you ready to do it if that makes sense (laughs) um but I think podcasting is so powerful obviously I love it I think it's really amazing that if you have something that you want to share you can do it in that format and um I think make your podcast. I want your podcast, your amazing, weird, cool, wonderful idea to be out there. Yeah. Beautiful. Just like you probably never would have imagined you would have like Johnny Nicholas and Sarah Goddess Jr., (laughs) right? Alice Berkeley Cat, all these wonderful people to come talk to you when you first started it. Definitely Um, not. Yeah. Yes. And I, and when I started Moon to Moon, like you're, you were on my dream list, just like, oh. Oh, who am I to think Aaron Johnson? <laughs> oh, thank you. That's so sweet. And you know, like <laughs> doing it here, you know, um, one step at a time. That's why I call it Moon to Moon. Cause it's like Moon to Moon, you know, like just process. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, Tell us um, anything that you've got going on at present, like what's coming up this summer and fall for you and work with you. Everything is like flowing so much and everything's in flux, I feel like, but we talked about creativity, definitely creative support, my membership that's creative support (laughs) Um, will be open at some time in the summer and I'm visioning some pleasure centered magic offerings that aren't fully uh fleshed out yet but definitely some pleasure magic will be happening um and I always have my religious trauma workbook up that people can check out if they're interested in that and have that kind of background so yeah (laughs) stay tuned I guess (laughs) Mm, thank you so much for all that you do I know I've said that many times and it's just it's really true you've said things um, that just resonated with me so deeply when I needed them. And mm-hmm. I could tell that you were a gal, like probably just in her room somewhere saying these things, not knowing who and how they land, you know, and it, it mattered to me at the time. So thank you. That means so much here. And like, just to reflect that for people listening who might want to start a <laughs> podcast, it's like, you literally have no idea who needs to hear what you have to say? You have no idea. I had no idea anyone would even ever listen or care about my podcast. So it's, it's bigger than us, you know? That's exactly right. Yeah. I liked, I think it's really helpful to um, see the, the courses I shepherd or this podcast as having like their own spirit, their, their own energy, mm-hmm. their own life course you know their own chart (laughs) 
And, and that, it, that by separating it a little from me, then it allows me to caretake it um, and not be so merged with what it might mean to people, you know? Mm, that's such a good point. Yeah, it's like these things can feel like they're us because they're so close to us, but they're not really us. Like I'm not my podcast. It's a separate thing. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm like a little space with that too. Yeah, I know that's important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I know people will love this conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and for looking at my chart. This was yeah. so fun. I, it went by so fast too. <laughs> really good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Erin Johnson. She's so wonderful. Please do check out her podcast, Living Open. Follow her on Instagram. Check out her other offerings. She has a lot of free gifts at her website. I'll put all those links in the show notes. If you are enjoying Moon to Moon, please remember to rate and review. It really helps people to find me and it makes my day. And of course, if you are feeling the call for soft strength or you're just curious about it, because I keep talking about it, please do check out the course page. There's a lot there. There's a Q&A at the end. So I've, I tried to be as thorough as I can there, but it's one of these um, really rich, complex classes that can't be completely explicated in a promo page. So these last episodes, I've been doing a lot of talking about soft strength In my newsletters and in Instagram posts, I'm talking a lot about the themes of soft strength. I'm also doing IG Lives with Jonathan to talk about some of the the thematics. And I encourage you also to just email me if you have any concerns, thoughts, or questions about the class. It is, you know, an investment like classes are. And I just want to really underline that it's life-shifting it's, it's really huge for people. So thus it's an investment because it has value, (laughs) says the person who's in a lot of second house work right now. And, um, there are a lot of opportunities for discounts. Um, I have a justice discount. It's 30% off for everyone who qualifies as BIPOC, um, LGBT, TQ, disabled, and I'm also offering justice for this particular course for single working moms. Um, I have discounts for people in my Patreon community. So if you miss the early bird and you wish that you hadn't, know that you can join my Patreon for just $6 a month and be able to at least get the 10% discount. You get more discounts the higher you go. 
Of course, to be in integrity with that, you would want to commit to at least six months in the Patreon for that to feel right. Um, I do also offer discounts to those in my Magician's Table workshop circle. If you're listening, I think you know that already. And then, of course, a humongous discount for Soft Strength alums because I know so many people love to take it again, and I like to make that possible for you. If you aren't aware of it, tuition for this class includes Moon to Moon, the workbook, as well as the Cancer workbook. Um, There will be times where I'm encouraging people to read certain sections so that we're all reading the same material. And those books are going to be then there for you to keep and to use as foundational support for you in the time after the course is over. You'll still have those books. For those of you who already have one or both of those, just reach out to me and I'm happy to swap in a different book for you um, if you're wanting something else that I've created. So thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for loving Moon to Moon. Thank you for supporting my work. I'm wishing you all the best with this upcoming new moon eclipse in Gemini. And I will probably be back for the Cancer season episode. Cheers. And by probably, I mean, I will be back for that episode, but I probably won't be back until then (laughs) because I got to launch this course now. All my best. Cheers.